Welcome back to the podcast. We're back in 1 Corinthians this week and we're looking at the question of what does it look like when someone becomes a Christian? 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we're going to go from verses 10 to verse 17. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptised in the name of Paul? I thank God that I did not baptise any of you except Crispus and Gaius. So no one can say that you were baptised in my name. Yes, I also baptised the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I don't remember if I baptised anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptise, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. What do you think of the leaders of this church? Don't, don't say it out loud. <laughs> What do you think of the preachers we've had at this church? <laughs> when it comes to thinking about the preachers, when it comes to thinking about the leaders of the church, what is it that comes to mind? What's the first thing you think of? What do you reckon they're doing? What's happening as they stand up and they preach? What do you think about our preachers? You see, the Corinthians, as all churches should have, had preachers too. And boy, they had some great guys. Uh, there was Paul, the one who planted the church of the Apostle Paul fame, most published man in the New Testament, the original, the OG. Then there's also Apollos. Uh, Apollos, as Acts 18 tells us, a native of Alexandria who came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. It says eloquent man there, doesn't it? That's even better. Eloquent man. Then they also had Peter. He's the one called Cephas there. That's his Jewish name. He's got Jewish origins. He's one of Jesus' inner circle. It's an impressive lineup, isn't it? Just imagine them uh, doing a conference. In fact, just imagine if we announced Christchurch Hemel Weekend Away 2024 speakers, Paul, uh, Paulus, Cephas. Wow, that would get the bookings, wouldn't it? We'd run out of rooms quickly. But the issue is this in the Corinthian church, the people have been dividing. They've been dividing over which of those preachers, which of those leaders is better. This is more than a preference. This is a forming of teams. And so this evening in 1 Corinthians, Paul is appealing. Do you see that in verse 10? He's appealing to the church to sort this out. But it's quite striking, actually, that this is the first thing he addresses. As we'll see, Corinth has quite a lot going on. But why start here? Why does this matter? Why is Paul starting with this? Well, you might remember last week we said Paul is splitting this book into three big bits. Uh, the call, the wait, and the revealing. The call, the wait, and the revealing. The Corinthian church needs help understanding what is going on with each of those things. And we're in the section of 1 Corinthians that is on the call. What happens 
what happened when they became Christians, the very beginning of their timeline. So these three guys here, they were instrumental in the growth of the church. Paul had planted it. We're going to learn that Apollos watered it, as then he kept helping them with progress. And it appears that Peter, or Cephas here, he'd been involved too. This Gentile church planted in an important part of the world, had seen remarkable growth, it had survived through persecution, and it had some great teachers on the way. The issue is they've got the wrong end of the stick. They've divided over the leaders. See, there's nothing going on between these three guys. They would have been horrified that they've got fan clubs going on. But the congregation is playing top trumps with them. And that's a disaster. Because it means the Corinthians have totally missed what was going on when the gospel was preached. Or they've misunderstood the call, the start of the Christian life. So let's see where they got wrong. Let's see how Paul corrects it. And as we do so, hopefully we'll learn some lessons too. So the first thing to see this evening is not to divide over who is preaching. Don't divide over who is preaching. See, as the church is coming together, they are looking down on each other. They are dividing over who they feel is the better person. Have a look at verses 10 and 11. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thoughts. My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household, have informed me that there are quarrels among you. You see there? The church divided. They're quarrelling. Their words are showing what they think they understand. In fact, you can see what they're specifically saying in verse 12. Let me read it. Uh, what I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ. You can just imagine it, can't you? But I follow Paul. You know, he was the original. What do you mean you follow Apollos? He's the second one. Oh, well, Apollos is, is more eloquent. I guess you wouldn't understand being from your part of Corinth. Oh, you guys, you're so feeble. I follow Cephas. Did you know that's his Jewish name? Did you know that? Probably don't, do you? I mean, he was Jesus' number one. Well, don't you care about Jesus? Right, guys, guys, guys. I, I follow Christ. Don't waste your time on those guys. Just come out the middle, man. We're the ones who really belong to Christ. Uh, not so sure about you, though. It's farcical, isn't it? That's what's going on in Corinth. And it's been noticed from the outside. Verse 11, Chloe's household have heard what the church in Corinth is saying. And that word has made its way to Paul. The witness of this church, what they're broadcasting to the world around, is their factions. The message this church is spreading is not the gospel. The message they're spreading is that of tribes. The Corinthians think that these men who preach to them are simply men to get behind, like a football club or a celebrity. They're putting the emphasis on the wrong syllable. And when you pick a favourite and you define yourself by that favourite, it affects your actions. And it causes splits. It causes you to separate from others. It affects your witness. It affects the words you speak. Wait, you think that guy is a good preacher? <laughs> you simpleton. See, the big issue is, with all of that, it's missing what's actually going on. It misses the call, as one Corinthians speaks of. Uh, the gospel declaration is what it's all about. It's not about the people. It's not about the who. It's about the what. About what is being preached. The message. Have a look back up to 1 Corinthians 1 verse 2. Those who are called 
are called by God himself. God is the one who is calling through the gospel message being proclaimed. And those who are called, verse 2, they call on the Lord Jesus Christ. That is God's ensign plan for his people worldwide. For them to hear him speak as the gospel is proclaimed and for them to speak of that gospel. But what are the Corinthians doing? What are they saying? Well, they're saying, Paul called us and we call on the name of Paul or Apollos or Cephas. They're being tribal. They're dividing Christ. I mean, that's where Paul goes, isn't it? Verse 13, Paul asks some questions. And for all intents and purposes, the answer looks like yes in Corinth. Is Christ divided? Well, in Corinth, it would appear to be yes. But what's Paul crucified for you? Well, in Corinth, you might be mistaken for thinking so. Were you baptised in the name of Paul? Well, that is the name they're proclaiming. That is where they're finding their identity. I'm team Paul. See, the answer to all those questions, it should be a solid no. To divide over leaders is actually to go against the gospel, to go against God's plan of bringing all the ends of the earth to be saved by the one true God. And these divisions, they're running deep. It may even appear the Corinthians are taking pride in who baptised them. Oh, well, I was baptised by Paul, you know, he's the original pastor here. Ah, well, I was dunked by the man whom Jesus took up the mountain and showed his glory. Do you see how Paul responds to that? It's one of the biggest burns, I think, in the whole Bible. Paul can't remember who he baptised, at least not completely, because that's not the point. Verse 16, yes, I also baptised the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, uh, I don't remember if I baptised anyone else. Just imagine feeling that. That would bring you down, wouldn't it? Corinth have misunderstood the gospel call. They have misunderstood what happened when the gospel was preached. They think the power is in the men and how impressive they are rather than what God was doing as the gospel was declared. And let me tell you this evening, the cult of Christian celebrity is still with us today. Oh, and I listened to this person. Did you know they have five million viewers on YouTube? <laughs> Only five million viewers? I know the preacher who, who taught him in college. He sold books, about five billion copies. I mean, we still find it tempting to see preachers as those we could line up behind, uh, like a big game of empire, as if the person is the big thing, as if the name is the brand. So-and-so ministries, you could say. I mean, in this country, I don't think we're so brazen about it. But it didn't take me long just going onto church websites or reading job adverts for pastors. I mean, here's one advert, true advert from the internet. We are looking for a dynamic, energising, charismatic leader who can run two churches at once, who is able to lead prayers that transcend the normality of everyday life, who has travelled and can enrich our worship with interesting, relevant stories, who is experienced in working with adults, experienced with working with teenagers, experienced in working with children, who has lived in a village, ideally grown up in the village, whilst also studying at Oxford or Cambridge. I mean, there may be reasons, I don't want to read too much into that, but there may be reasons for some of those things. I don't want to assume anything, but it is really hard, isn't it? Really hard to not see those things as impressive. For the person to be marked on that, rather than on their faithfulness, on their declaring of the gospel. Do you see, Corinth isn't that different to us today. And in Corinth, that is what's happened. And it's an absolutely terrible thing. And Paul is calling them, he's appealing to them here to not divide over who is preaching. But instead, to be united over who is preached. 
Paul appeals to them to be united over who is preached. See, the issue is that the Corinthians, they do not understand what is going on as the gospel is being preached. Yes, Paul did preach and build up that church from the ground up. Paul pioneered the ministry there in Corinth. And yes, Apollos was uh, the next preacher who came in after him. He was eloquent. He was bold. He was engaging. And yes, see first Peter, we did know Jesus face to face. But you see here, Paul's saying those things don't matter. They're on the peripheral. The Corinthians believe that ministry is a merely human thing. They've lost the supernatural aspect of what's going on. They've misunderstood what it means to be called by God. The Corinthian church, they see a line of celebrity men who can be pitched against each other. Whilst what they really need to grasp is that they're united in Christ. It is the fellowship of the Son they should be caring about. It is what happened as those men proclaimed, preached the gospel that matters. Because as each one of those men preached the gospel, God was calling the Corinthians into the fellowship of the Son. They were united together. They became brothers and sisters. Do you see, Paul says that in verse 10. Have a look back at verse 10. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. Do you see the family language there? I appeal to you, brothers and sisters. He appeals to them in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, in the name of their shared saviour, the one who's actually been crucified for them, the one they've actually been baptised into, the one who is not divided, the one whom people around the world are calling upon the name of. Paul wants the Corinthian church to be united over the gospel that's being preached. Verse 17, For Christ did not send me to baptise, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. We're going to see more of that in weeks to come. But you see there, it's the cross of Christ that has the power. In fact, it is the word of the cross of Christ that has the power we're going to see. Because it is the cross of Christ that saves. And it is the word of the cross of Christ that brings people into fellowship with the Lord Jesus. It is not the men who proclaim it. It is not their training. It is not their eloquence. It is not even their life experience. That is true in Corinth. And that is certainly true in Hemel Hempstead as well. And the witness of the church in Corinth, as Chloe's household passed through the area, well, they're telling Paul they've lost that. Christ Church Corinth has become a marketing company for preachers rather than holding out the gospel to the world. They're in danger of losing that fellowship of the Son. Well, how does that impact us then? I'm hoping you're already seeing how that impacts us. We have a remarkable amount of unity, don't we, as a church? We want to pray that continues. But let me tell you this evening, the unity isn't down to us. The unity that a church, the unity that Christians share, is the unity of the gospel. Or as 1 Corinthians calls it, the fellowship of the Son. We need to not forget that. And Corinth shows us that it's not hard to forget that. Can you see the dangers in all sorts of areas that we could face as the church grows larger? Oh, what's the reason for that? As fewer churches proclaim the gospel, oh, look at us, we're doing it. As more and more men in this church are trained to preach, oh, look at who's preaching this Sunday. They're going to be good. 
Oh, if only my friend could hear that preacher. So as the ministry of this church goes forward, what are we talking about more? The preachers or what's being preached? What is more important to us as a church? Is it the style or the substance? Because it can be so easy to fall off a horse and it is a terrible, terrible thing when it does happen. Instead of thinking about the leader, the question should be, was Christ proclaimed this evening, this morning? Uh, did God speak through his word this morning, this evening? And in many ways, the preachers are relevant to that fact. I can say about myself, say about Sam, say about everyone else who preaches. In fact, the preachers should be forgotten and the words should be remembered. I mean, that's a word to the leaders here, uh, to us who preach here. Uh, to the growth group leaders, uh, to the Sunday club leaders, the CCY leaders, the Christian leaders, we can go on and on and on. Are we truly about this gospel? What is our goal? What are we aiming to do? What is most important to us? Because there's something so appealing, isn't there, of people appreciating you or being someone's favourite. But that's not the point. We need to focus on the task at hand. We need to focus on the gospel. That is where the power is. That is where the call comes. That is what brings us into fellowship with the Lord of this universe. And that is what happened. That's what happened when we first heard the gospel, each and every one of us. When we carry on hearing the gospel as God speaks through his words. So we need to pray, don't we? That God would keep us on the right path. We need to pray that we would remember what is going on when the gospel is proclaimed. That we would see that God is calling in power through his word going out. Each and every time God's word is declared, it is judgment day because he's calling people into the fellowship of the Son. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Any questions can come to podcast email podcast at david-couch.com. I'll see you next week.